This is the Marathon Training Academy Podcast, episode 404. Thanks to UCAN for sponsoring this episode. UCAN is offering the MTA community an exclusive chance to try six edge gels for free. All you pay is the cost of shipping. Head over to UCAN.co forward slash MTA to claim this exclusive offer. That's UCAN.co forward slash MTA. Thanks also to Prevenex, makers of Joint Health Plus. The main active ingredients are clinically proven to reduce joint pain, joint stiffness, and to improve your flexibility in just 7 to 10 days. And you can save 15% with our link. Just go to Prevenex.com and use the code MTA. And finally, thanks to Inside Tracker. Created by leading scientists, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store at insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. Hey, hey, welcome to the MTA podcast, where it's all about empowering you to go the distance. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we speak with Emily Sisson, the current American record holder in both the marathon and the half marathon. You will hear Emily talk about her early influences, what a day in her life looks like, including the non-negotiable habits and routines, plus hear how rest and recovery contributed to her faster times. And don't forget, as an Academy member, you get access to all of our back catalog inside the podcast vault, as well as all of our training plans. Find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. All right. Well, we are really excited to have Emily Sisson on the podcast just two weeks after she ran her fastest half marathon time yet, breaking the record again, the record which she held, by the way. Before we jump into this conversation, let's give some shout outs to folks in our community, something that we always love to do. So what is going on out there, Angie? This comes from Gary in the Social Distancing Run group. He says, I started a journey with this group January 5th, 2021, and I set a goal of doing 2,000 miles in two years. Today, I met that goal and went a little over. Thanks to everyone for the support and encouragement. I will continue my journey. I've got to keep moving. And Ashley says, my first full marathon is in the books with the Louisiana Marathon 2023. I'm so thankful for MTA coach Cindy and her guidance in training for this goal. Well, congrats on conquering your first marathon. It's always fun. That's right. We love to see people taking on those first half and full marathons. This comes from Fody. He says, I completed state 29 and marathon 61 at the Red Rock Canyon Marathon. It was beautiful, but a tough course with 2,800 feet of elevation. I'm excited to be back racing and chipping away at my 50 states goal after not running any marathons due to our move. Yeah, marathon 61 for him. That's awesome. Angie, you've actually done that race, haven't you? I did. Yeah, I did that back in 2019. Beautiful place. It sure is. Yes. So it was exciting to see his pictures and hear about his experience. And we got this really nice race recap from Karis, a client of ours who conquered her first marathon at the Phoenix Rock and Roll Marathon. That's right. She said, I am a marathoner. I started training in the summer of 2021 to run it last year, but I was hampered by a quadriceps injury, then got COVID the week of the race and had to defer to this year. In an effort to prevent injury, I decided to get a running coach through MTA, which was the best decision I ever made. Coach Kristen helped me see I was doing too much too quickly and worked with me to slow down and build a solid base. 
Throughout the next few months, I felt I was running the best I ever had before. Then in the summer, I woke up with severe back pain that put me out for a few months. I also started a new position at work, which further affected my training time. Knowing this, I questioned if the marathon would even be possible. Despite these setbacks, Coach Kristen encouraged me and felt it was possible. It wasn't going to be the race I had envisioned it would be when I initially signed up, and despite not having the optimal training that I hoped. Coach Kristen believed in me and even thought I would be able to meet all of my goals. I was going to give it my best shot. There were so many times I wanted to quit and questioned if achieving this goal was worth it, but the mantra, I can do hard things, got me through. In the end, I met all of my goals. Number one, to finish the race. Number two, do it without an injury. And number three, complete it in under six hours. She closes saying, I can do hard things and I will continue to do hard things. It's worth it. Uh Yeah. So cool. Thank you for sharing that with us, Karis. And I feel like there's some stuff in there that we can unpack real quick. She said that Coach Kristen helped her see that she was doing too much too quickly. That can be a a trap that a lot of new runners fall into is doing too much too quick. Yeah, that's right. You know, you have a big goal and running is really exciting. You kind of get pulled along by your enthusiasm and chasing a goal. And sometimes you can kind of ignore warning signs and not build that solid running base that needs to be put in place first. And yeah, often people get injured or can deal with some discouraging setbacks. I like the fact that she pointed out that, you know, there's many times that she didn't know if it was going to be possible. You know, she had that self-doubt. I think we all do at some point. But the exciting fact is that she pushed through that and successfully became a marathoner and obviously is very proud of herself and all she's accomplished. Yep. And we're proud of you, too. And speaking of marathons, we will be at the Revel Mount Charleston Marathon in Las Vegas, Nevada, April 1st. We are so excited. This uh, race series, of course, is incredibly fast and remarkably beautiful. Angie, what else can we tell people about Revel Mount Charleston? Well, they offer a half marathon and full marathon. You get to run from the beautiful forest of Kyle Canyon on Mount Charleston down into Las Vegas. And they do list the specific elevation drops For the full marathon, it's over 5,000 feet. The half marathon is a little over 2,000 feet. Plus, for those who want to set a PR or qualify for Boston, Rebel Mount Charleston has an average of 32% Boston qualifying rate. My current marathon PR comes from a Rebel race, um, so I'm really excited to come back and run one again even though I have not decided which distance I am doing yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're definitely doing at least a half. Yes. But you might do the marathon. We got time. It's not till April 1st. I'm doing the half. Really excited about being there. And if you want to go, hey, check it out. We give you a little discount as a listener. You get 10 bucks off. Go to runrevel.com. Use the code MTA. Should be easy to remember, right? Runrevel.com. Use the code MTA for 10 bucks off. I've already heard from a lot of listeners uh, and Academy members who are going to be there. So I think we'll have quite a fun meetup. And guess what, Angie? They have a Hofbräu house. Beer oh, hall. that's it. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. For those of us who don't like German food, we'll plan a separate meetup. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All the fun people will be with me. All the people that like, go to bed early will go with you. <laughs> Runrevel.com. Use that code MTA to get 10 bucks off. All right, well, we are thrilled to have Emily Sisson on the podcast. Angie, what can we tell people about Emily? Well, Emily is 31 years old. Of course, she's an American distance runner who holds the North American record in the marathon and half marathon. She set the marathon record at the 2022 Chicago Marathon, um, where she ran 218.29. 
And she recently broke her own half marathon record at the Houston Half Marathon with a time of 1.06.52. She runs for New Balance and bases her training out of Flagstaff, Arizona, where she lives with her husband and dog. And by the way, that marathon pace, that's a 5.17 mile or a 3.17 kilometer. For the half or the full? For the full. Wow. that's So imagine doing that. Yeah. (laughs) I cannot imagine doing that. You might remember the record stood for years. It was set by Dina Castor, and then boom, Kira D'Amato broke it. And in that same year, Emily Sisson broke it. That's right. And big thanks to our friends at UCAN for connecting us with Emily. They sponsor her. She started using UCAN back in December of 2021 and has since set the record in the full and half. And uh, hey, this is cool. UCAN is offering all of you an exclusive chance to try um, six edge gels for free. All you pay is the cost of shipping. Head over to UCAN.co forward slash MTA to claim this offer at six gels. You can try for free, just pay for shipping. And of course, the gels are just famously gentle on your stomach. They have this patented ingredient. They call it Live Steady. That's right. UCAN's award-winning edge energy gel lasts longer than other gels, and it provides a more consistent feeling of energy. They have zero sugar, and they aren't too thick or sweet. We've been using UCAN since 2013, so it'll be 10 years this year. But it's really cool to see many top marathon runners in the U.S., like Emily, Kira D'Amato, Sarah Hall, and Emma Bates, all relying on UCAN to fuel their training and races. Yeah, good stuff. So without further ado, here is America's fastest women's marathoner, Emily Sisson. Well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. Now that I'm well on my way, well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. Okay, we're on the podcast now with Emily Sisson. Welcome to the MTA podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. We're having you on Less than two weeks since you broke the uh, American record in the half marathon there in Houston, you ran 106.52. Was Emily Sisson upset when you broke her record? <laughs> no, she was happy for her. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> of it, it did, it's kind of funny, I guess, because it does just feel like I just went out and ran a PR, I suppose. But um, it's still cool. It's still like a really cool feeling and I'm really happy with it. So yeah, it was a fun weekend. Yeah, congratulations. We were so excited to see that. It seems like a lot of great things have been happening for American women, you know, in the Mm -hmm. half marathon, the marathon the last couple of years. But let's kind of rewind. We always like to ask people how they got into running. Um, Can you tell us where you grew up and what it was like getting into running, how old you were, things like that? Yeah, I grew up uh, all over the Midwest, actually. I moved around quite a bit growing up. Uh, And because I moved around a lot, I ended up doing a lot of sports because that was a good way for me to meet people. And as kind of a very shy kid, it was, I think, really good socially. And also it's just good to like get moving. Um, But yeah, socially, I think was one of the biggest benefits I um, got from doing things like soccer, softball, basketball, volleyball. (laughs) Like I tried everything. And I think that I really fell in love with soccer more than anything else. And I love the team aspect of it. And I loved, really loved the sport. And I remember a friend on my soccer team asked if I wanted to join her, I think it was track first before cross country, just as like conditioning for soccer. And she was like, yeah, this can make us better soccer players. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And I just fell in love with running then. And I do like that when I started running, Initially, I actually kind of wanted to quit soccer and just run. And I do like that my parents encouraged me to keep playing team sports because I was only Mm -hmm. like 12 or 13 at the time. 
And they're like, we actually see potential in you and you could be running for a really long time. Um, so just enjoy playing soccer, enjoy being with your friends right now. And then you can take it seriously as you get older and as you continue on. But right now, just they didn't force me to keep playing soccer, but they definitely encouraged it. They're like, we think um, it could be good for you, good, good for your like your friendships and everything. So I, I, I do like that, that they encouraged a more well-rounded childhood, I guess. That's really smart advice to avoid pushing a kid into specializing too early because it seems like with our kids, like a lot of people are like, oh, football from the time they're like four years old or whatever the sport is the parent wants them to play or they show promise in. And it becomes a lot of pressure and something like running too, there can be potential for injury or just getting too hyper-focused on something and putting your whole identity in it, which, you know, for some people is not a healthy balance. So it sounds like your parents were really smart in that. Yeah, they were very smart about it. And I think it helps because they were both uh, D1 college athletes themselves in individual sports. My dad was a runner and my mom was a gymnast. Uh, So they they know (laughs) how uh, great sports can be, but they also know it can be very intense at times. And it kind of can like cause that like tunnel vision where you kind of lose sight of big picture if you get too into it too quickly, especially too young. Probably a delicate balance of wanting to not like hold me back, but also wanting to encourage me in my interests and passions, but then also encourage a well-rounded approach and big picture perspective in life and sports in general. So yeah, I am lucky that I had them there for that. Did they have to kind of coax you into doing sports or was it always just natural? You just wanted to do it? There was no arm twisting involved. Um, For the most part, I don't think there was a lot of arm twisting. I think I was always pretty driven. Um, but I do yeah. remember there were a couple times after we moved, especially as I got older, I remember struggling with moving a bit more, like middle school and high school ages, especially um, that like I'd get nervous <laughs> going to new like a new practice with all new teammates. And so they'd sometimes have to be like, no, this will be good for you. <laughs> Go jump into this soccer team, even though you don't know anyone. Um, and so I'd probably need I needed more encouragement with that just because I was so shy, but uh, not so much like exercising itself. Like I love running around and moving my body and trying new things. And I wasn't good at all the sports I tried. Um, a lot of the ones that it required good hand-eye coordination, I was really terrible at. Uh, but I did try it and I enjoyed it, throwing myself into a bunch of things and uh, getting that experience. Well, it seems like you had a lot of success, especially in cross country from high school onward. Who were your influences as a runner in those days? Who were those influences that helped you push yourself and find a balanced approach to it? Yeah, I think having two parents that were athletes helped a lot. My dad actually in high school was my coach during the off season. Um, I went to three different high schools and each season, uh, track and cross country, I'd have a different coach. So I think I had six high school coaches <laughs> and I was just like, my training was all over the place. Like it was just so different <laughs> between different programs. And usually every coach was so good at just like trying to ease me into their training uh, philosophy. But then in like the summers in between when I'd be doing, I don't know, the high school nationals or whatever my dad would kind of like help me out with that stuff so it was nice having his like guidance with that and then um people I looked up to uh definitely it's funny uh in high school it was definitely like Molly Huddle (laughs) I I still have her autograph actually and I think I I showed it to her once my mom found it like in her basement uh like Shalane Flanagan Kara Goucher just seeing them win medals like on the world stage was just so cool as a high schooler. And so, yeah, luckily, I feel like I had a lot of good people to look up to at a young age. So throughout your career, you've competed in multiple distances from like one mile all the way up to the marathon. 
Um, was that progression fairly organic? Because, you know, I know a lot of people wait to run a marathon till a little bit later in their career. You know, what was that like for you? Yeah, it, it was definitely organic because I remember in high school, people telling me like, you'll be a marathoner someday. <laughs> and, and at the time, like, I thought like a 3K was a pretty a long way to go. Anytime people would bring up things in high school or college or even after college, um, saying things along the lines of, like, you seem to be stronger the longer you go. Um, I'd be like, yeah, like maybe, <laughs> but like, I want to kind of just focus on whatever I'm in right now, whether it's I'm in college and I'm trying to be the best I can be at the 5k and try to win my first NCAA title. Like that's what my focus is on. And I think it was actually a very grounded approach focused on like the present. And then it kind of grew organically as I got older, I tried to go a little bit further and further and um, yeah, worked my way up to the marathon, but I still like mixing it up. I really enjoy road 5k's or even track 5k's um, all the way up to the marathon. I think it's, I think it's fun switching it up. So what do those people see in you that made them say you're going to be a marathoner one day? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm um, like, I, I guess I do look pretty efficient, but I'm not like a heel striker shuffler either. I just kind of run really low to the ground, but I actually have pretty good like hip extension. So maybe it's like the efficiency, maybe it's the strength, the aerobic strength and physical strength. I don't know, maybe a combination of that stuff. I never actually asked. I just was told that. <laughs> okay. Right. So a lot of people, when we ask them that, they say, they saw how stubborn I was. They saw I have a high pain tolerance. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely stubborn. So, and I, I don't know if my pain, like I never know when people say I have, a, I have a high pain tolerance, like how you know that? Because I can only feel what I feel. So I'm like relative to the next person. I'm like, well, maybe I do. I don't know. I think any professional runner automatically has a high pain tolerance because yeah. if you didn't, you would not push yourself that hard and sure. make a career out of running because it's yeah. painful, you know? Yeah, Just. yeah. No, it definitely is. I think, and a lot of us can be very resilient and persistent. I think those are all um, qualities of distance runners that um, pay off in the long term and, and kind of parallel life too, like good uh, good traits to have in any any like goal you're working towards or a uh, like challenge you're trying to overcome. Yeah, for sure. So, what was it like to qualify for the ten thousand meters for the Olympic Games? Um, like, how long had been that, that been a goal of yours, and what was the process like to qualify and know you're going to the Olympics? That was amazing. That's still my favorite race <laughs> I've ever run, and I don't know. Like, I've always said this. Like, since that day, I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever top that. Like, I hope. Like, that's my goal. Like, I want to try to top that. <laughs> but, uh, but if mm-hmm. I don't, like, that was just so cool. Like, when I think of that day, I don't know. Just think about all the work. Um, like, my husband and I put into that training cycle uh and like you can put in all the work and i think the older i get the more i understand like you can work really really hard and sometimes it still just like doesn't work out like it does come down to like conditions like a bit of luck too um not getting an injury at the wrong time not getting like a sickness so i just was really happy it all came together on the day because it is rare for everything to just fall together in place that was the best day yeah then, you know, of course, the Olympic Games were held off for a year. So what was that like? I mean, you know, you kind of have like this date, like the Olympics are X time. And then, of course, along comes COVID and that pushes the timeline back. What was that process like? Yeah, there were definitely pros and cons to that. And I think the biggest benefit I got was I got more time to transition back to the track after trying to make it in the marathon team and then not making it. I actually was pretty injured and beat up after the marathon trials. And like, I know if it hadn't gotten postponed, like I would not have not have made that 10 KT. I would have tried really hard, but I just, I know it wouldn't have worked out because I was just really beat up for a while. 
Um, so I did get more time and I got time to like focus on how to kind of get my track legs back. I kept saying, because it was getting that turnover, getting that pop in my legs or pep in my step, I guess, um, like that sharpness. So it gave me time to work on that kind of work on any weaknesses and, uh, just kind of strengthen my body. Uh, so that was good. <laughs> the, it, it was kind of drawn out though. <laughs> and I remember by the time Tokyo finished just being so, so exhausted because an Olympic year is already really intense. It's just tunnel vision, like one goal, nothing else really matters. Like everything is just planned out from backwards from the Olympic trials and the Olympics. And I think we started our marathon buildup in like November, December, 2019. And so like wow. it occurred to me, like it'd been nearly two years of just this like intense, like focus on one goal. And I just was a little mentally kind of just like fried from that, I think. So, yes. so yeah, it was, I was a little injured after Tokyo too. So it actually, mm. it was probably good to have forced downtime because then it like made me get really like hungry again and miss running. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but no, I found it, honestly, I found it a little hard for like two years, nearly that being the the main focus. Training at that high of a level is going to be physically exhausting, but the mental fortitude to show up day after day for that hard physical training and probably also just, you know, the emotional toll that it takes. I think probably we don't realize that, you know, anytime you're going to chase a long-term goal like that, it, it really requires all of you to show up. And sometimes you're not feeling it necessarily. Yeah, definitely. And then you throw in a pandemic and then that just like makes it 10 times harder. <laughs> so um, yeah, I remember even after making the Olympic team, just being nervous of getting COVID because we had to do all these COVID tests. And I'm like, well, if I test positive, oh. then I, I won't be an Olympian. So yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. that stress is just like, and our friends are kind of starting to do more stuff together now, like, cause like the vaccines had come out and kind of like going back to normal for them. But I felt like we still had to live pretty carefully because I was like, if I, if I get COVID two weeks before to Tokyo, like that's my Olympics. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That, that little extra stress. I remember thinking like, oh, this isn't that fun. <laughs> Was it stressful there at the Olympic village? And, you know, it's just the whole experience being limited because of COVID. I thought it would be because of that. Cause we did COVID tests every day and we had to like mm-hmm. wake up in the morning, do a test, drop it off. Um, and I just remember thinking that would be, but it really wasn't once we were there. Mm-hmm. I remember after like doing all the testing and paperwork to get into the country, like, it just kind of went away a bit. And it was a different Olympics for sure, but I hadn't been to an Olympics before that. So I had nothing to compare it to. So I still thought it was amazing. I thought like going to the dining hall and seeing all the athletes and uh, just going to like the U.S. training center there was so cool. And I still loved it. Like I wish my family and like my husband could have come. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I'll have to work towards uh, Paris for that. Yeah. So do you have one of those tattoos with the Olympic rings? <laughs> no, I actually, I don't. And um, I remember like my parents, my family, like my sister is texting me. They're like, where are you getting your tattoo? And I was like, uh, I'm like, I don't know if I'm one. When they asked you that, you should have said, I was thinking maybe my neck, yeah, my forehead. forehead. <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just maybe someday, like I thought maybe like on my wrist or somewhere like small, like not super noticeable. I actually like Ellie Perrier's uh, St. Pierre. You only see hers when she's racing. Um, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I thought like she pulled it off really well. And I was like, that's cool. Actually, maybe I do that. Uh, so you were part of a UCAN panel at the Boston mm-hmm. Marathon in 2022, and I got to meet you there. Carrie Tollefson and I were kind of the co-moderators. And I remember you saying behind the scenes that you'd had COVID earlier in the year and that training had been challenging as you were recovering. It was 
you know, kind of frustrating how you weren't noticing yourself come back like you wanted to. So I guess I'm kind of wondering what that process was like for you. Did you struggle with frustrations and not having your health and stamina where you wanted it to be and kind of having to step back your training more than you wanted to? Um, yeah, I I think I struggled with post-COVID stuff for like four months after I had it. I had like wow. three like lingering symptoms and like the biggest ones that affected running were my heart rate just wouldn't come back down. And I did feel just really tired. And I don't want to call it like long COVID because I know people with long COVID and they had trouble going for walks and I, I could run. I just right. like had a really hard time like pushing. Well, there's varying degrees of it. Yeah. I'll call it like moderate COVID. <laughs> so it, like it just, it didn't go away though. Like I couldn't like get back into training normally. Oh. And that was definitely frustrating. And I remember I did some races on the East coast, uh, like some 10 K road races. And I just felt like terrible, but like they actually went better than I expected them to for how awful I'd been feeling and training and just running. Um, and I remember my coach was like, you should probably just stay out on the East coast and stay down at sea level after these races, because um, like you're just not recovering and probably the stress of living at altitude, it's a new stressor on your body. It's probably still, still hard on you. And so after like a month down at sea level, I was starting to feel better, but I think that was due, um, in part to like one coming down to sea level to give my body just to take away the stress of altitude. But then I also really focused on things that help with recovery. I focused on sleeping so much. Like I'd sleep like 10 hours a night and like would maybe take a nap <laughs> like that day. Yeah. And then I focused a lot on eating well and fueling well and making sure like I was never like going hungry after a run for too long and making sure I was having balanced meals and making sure I was hydrating really well. And I actually kind of carried that mindset with me through the marathon build for Chicago. And like mm. after every single run, I had like a UCAM energy bar, um, energy plus protein shake, like right there, like had it right immediately, would go have a meal within like 30 minutes or so, I was making sure I was constantly hydrating, making sure I was fueling well before my runs. And I did notice a huge difference in how my body tolerated the training load this time compared to like my last marathon build. Like I remember last marathon build I did before Chicago, like I'd get kind of cranky and tired and things like remembering to eat and sleep well would help with that. Uh, but I never got to that point because I was so focused on that beforehand, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, really you were being proactive about yeah, it. Proactive. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, it was more proactive as opposed to like the last marathon build. I'd wait till I was kind of hangry or like really like, sluggish. <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, I should probably make sure I'm eating enough or hydrating enough. I just was so on top of it because in part because I was struggling with COVID and that seemed to be helping <laughs> me recover mm -hmm. from that and just uh, uh, yeah, carry that into the Chicago build. And I think that helped a lot. So stayed hydrated, fueled well, and um, slept a lot. So I'm still going to focus on that. Yes, the essentials. And with the fueling, do you, do you feel like you can made a difference? Yeah, I, I think it did because I have recovered better from long runs and workouts than I have ever before. And I do think a lot of that is because I'm not, I'm not experiencing that post long run crash. Like I'll finish my long run, I'll have my energy plus protein, and then I'll have a meal like soon after. And I'm just helping my body recover faster. And um, yeah, I don't experience the same kind of crashes. And I wake up the next day and then I can just kind of continue on, like do my next run and feel okay. And the last two marathon builds I had done before Chicago, I remember feeling like so awful after long run days. I had to ask my coach to give me an easy day after every long run because my body just wasn't like recovering as well. And part of that is probably just the older I get, the stronger I get, I can tolerate more training load, but then I'm sure a huge part of that is how I'm fueling and taking care of myself too. 
Yeah, keeping your blood sugar stable is a huge component when you need, you know, steady energy, you need to recover. Um, and, and getting protein, I think, is something that a lot mm. of runners don't realize, mm. you know, probably they're not getting enough protein and not getting it in the, that window, like you said, right yeah. after a workout, like hit your body right then with protein that it can really digest. Yep. So I think that's a huge, huge component. No, it's yes. important. Mm-hmm. And when I'm marathon training, I have to make a conscious effort to up my protein intake because, um, yeah, it is important and it's often overlooked. <laughs> So mm-hmm. is that the main way that you use it as a recovery drink? That's a, the, one of the biggest benefits I've noticed is with recovery. And so when you recover mm-hmm. better, you can train harder, you can like bounce back faster. So that's my biggest benefit, I'd say. But I also will use it before running as well. So I really like using the edge gels. I never, ever have like stomach issues at all. So that's a big plus because Huge. I do have a sensitive stomach. And it's also something I can have like right before I go run or work out and like, I won't get a cramp. I won't like have any issues like that at all. So yeah, actually I should talk about the before more too, but like the after was just so eye opening to me. That's always what I focus on. So, um, and then the yeah. snacks as well. Um, the cherry berry bars like as well, I've noticed are like really good recovery snacks as opposed to like the really sugary bars you'll get at a grocery store, even a Whole Foods. It, they're just mm-hmm. packed with sugar and you'll like have um, a date bar you get from there and then they'll just be kind of crashing an hour later. I don't experience that at all. So it does help keep your energy levels stable. And that's what attracted us to to UCAN back in the day is it was so easy on the stomach. You could mm-hmm. take it and then have the the energy you need to go mm-hmm. run. But, you know, we're not running as hard or as fast as you are. So it's it's interesting to hear as an elite runner how it, even at the pace that you're pushing, it's still easy on the stomach because mm-hmm. there's not much that you can eat and then go run that hard. Yeah. But I've even had like one of like the cherry berry bars right before going out the door. And like, I, I can never do that normally, but I'm like, when I'm marathon training, sometimes you're just hungry and you just need something. And yeah, I haven't had any, yes. any issues. So that's a big plus. It's always fun to talk to professional runners. And sometimes we like to ask, you know, what your life looks like, just kind of a day in the life. Could you walk us through what, what's the, a day in the life of Emily Sisson look like? Um, it's, it's not super exciting, but, uh, I'd say like, if it's a workout day, I'll wake up probably depends on the time of year, but right now I'm waking up at like seven or so seven thirty. Um, and if it's a workout day, I'll have just breakfast and some coffee and then we'll head down to Camp Verde, which is a town that's at 3000 feet elevation and it's only an hour away. So we'll just drop down there so I can get in a faster workout and I'll pack some edge shells to take with me, um, especially in the summer. In the in the winter and when I'm not marathon training, I can get away with packing less. But when it's uh, <laughs> summertime, um, like I have to have some on hand, so I just keep them in my car as well. Um, Sorry, so quick question: You said we go down there? Or are you are you with yeah. a training partner on these me days? And my husband. Yeah, so we'll like drive down. Okay, cool. um, I say we. He he drives <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> he drives us down there. Yeah, like I'll do whatever my workout is, and we'll just kind of fuel afterwards. Come back up and probably back here by like noon or so. Um, I'll nap. I'll probably like get some like email stuff done like after I wake up from my nap and then get ready for an evening run. And uh, I'll also add in like gym work either after the the workout or after my evening run. So that's, that's my day. <laughs> that's like three workouts in one day. Yeah. The workout days can be kind of busy, but then the days I only have one run, they feel really slow. So um, <laughs> but that can be nice. So it's not like the same thing every single day, I guess. Yeah. So do you have a home gym or do you go to the gym somewhere? 
Um, I'm setting up a home gym. We just moved here. We bought this house like a year ago nearly, but we've just been like coming and going so much. We're behind like setting everything up, but um, but it's coming <laughs> together. So I use my home gym for most things. And then there are a few things I have to go to like a gym for. Um, but I can actually do most mm-hmm. stuff at home in my garage. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation thus far. Quick break to thank our sponsor, Prevenix, makers of Joint Health Plus. You know, as a runner, it's important to take care of your joints. That's why I'm so glad to have Prevenix as a sponsor. I've been taking Joint Health Plus since last summer when I when I did all that hiking and that mountain marathon. Joints are doing great thanks to this product. The key ingredients are clinically proven to protect your joint cartilage from breaking down and What's cool is they have this just rock solid guarantee that if you don't see any results from taking it, if you don't see any improvement in the first 30 days, they'll refund your money 100%. And it's also cool that, you know, Joint Health Plus has tons and tons of testimonials from runners. Yes, this one came from Britt recently. She says, I just completed my first month of Joint Health Plus and I'm already feeling a difference. I was experiencing pain in my wrist from using a mouse all day. One month later, my wrists are feeling more supple and less painful. Loving it. So we love to see people experiencing the benefits of Joint Health Plus, and we encourage you to try it and experience the benefits yourself. You can use the code MTA to get 15% off your first order of Joint Health Plus at Prevenex.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com. And use the code MTA. Thanks also to Inside Tracker. If it's been a while since you've had your blood analyzed, they make it so convenient and you get all this great data back. Inside Tracker was created by scientists to help you get a personalized plan to build your endurance, boost your energy, optimize your health, to see where your biomarkers are at right now. All of us probably have, you know, some areas that are not as optimized, but how do you know unless you get a look under the hood, so to speak, right? That's right. When I got my data back, it was really impressive just the scope of the information that you get. And it's not just like your numbers, you get really actionable steps that you can take to improve those numbers as well. You know, when it comes to recovery and nutrition. So for a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com/mta. That's insidetracker.com/mta. So you kind of mentioned some of your non-negotiable habits, like really focusing on sleep, nutrition, hydration, fueling. What are some other habits that are part of your routine to stay healthy? Um, you, you kind of mentioned like some strength training. Do you do stretching, you know, massage? Like what other elements come together for you? I do a lot of strength training actually to help stay healthy. I think that's important. Um, I do like mobility work to kind of keep um, myself from getting really stiff from all the marathon training. Uh, trying to think yeah. of other habits. Uh, I, I think I do a good job setting like boundaries with things. Like it's a stressful job already, like physically stressful. So I try to mm-hmm. stress in other areas of my life when I can. So when it comes to social media or I don't know, just anything like that, that could add, I don't know, unnecessary stress. I just, I set boundaries with that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Can we park on that for a second? Yeah. That's something I need to hear right there. Okay, so boundaries around social yeah. media. <laughs> Do you, does that mean you limit how much time per day you check your phone and check that kind of stuff, or what does that look like? I'm not that strict with it. Like I know some people, you can set like a I don't know how you can go into your settings and actually set a timer for you can only yeah. go on Instagram for like half an hour or an hour. And it tells um, you like you five minutes left. You've got one minute left. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Okay. So I, I'm not that strict with it. Like I don't have a set time that I'm allowed on it every day, but I just like, there are times when like I have a lot of stuff going on and um, there's definitely benefits to social media as well. But when like we're really busy with training and work, uh, I might 
might just go like a few days without posting as much. And there was a time I felt like I always had to be like really on top of that. And now I'm like, no, like it's okay to just, if things are busy, taking a step back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that primarily because of sponsor obligations that you have to post? Um, no, I feel like I handle that stuff okay. And my sponsors are actually, they're really good about um, that. They're not so strict with social media stuff and those kind of obligations. Um, it's more just like, I feel like running is still like a, it's kind of like a niche sport in a way. We do have to like promote it and um, mm-hmm. taking that pressure off <laughs> myself for being like, okay, I need to just make sure I'm posting a lot and focusing on my brand and things like that. I don't know. For a while, I thought that was really important. Um, and I, mm. I do think the benefits to social media, we can connect with people and it gives a lot of runners opportunities to um, work with like sponsors and opportunities that maybe Mm -hmm. weren't there a few years ago. Uh, But then on the flip side, it can get like a little overwhelming at times too. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it's, because like you said, it's a great tool for connection if Mm -hmm. you're using it within your boundaries. But, you know, sometimes I think there's often that feeling like you have to respond to everything right away and people are going to get offended. Like if you're not like right on everything. So you can't be picking up your phone every time it dings. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I do my best to respond to as many DMs as I can, but I definitely, it can get a little hard sometimes. It'd be never ending, I'm sure. I do appreciate them so much though. Like I really do. And I try to get back to so many. It can be, it's like a good problem to have. But it, uh, So I don't want to complain yeah. about it too much, but yeah. Did things get really crazy after you set the American record in Chicago? Like a lot of incoming at that point, opportunities and sponsors and all that stuff. It wasn't as crazy as maybe you'd think it was. I, I do feel like as since then, I have had a, like a, a few more meetings than I'm used to having and Zoom calls and stuff like that. And so I've had to get a little better at um, planning. <laughs> so, um, But usually after that, like you have a downtime anyway. So I mm-hmm. tried to just squeeze as much stuff as I could in like that first week. Uh, my husband and I were supposed to take a vacation afterwards. So I was trying to squeeze it into this like one window. That part can be like a little bit um, only tough in that. Like I'm just trying to like schedule stuff <laughs> and then uh, it just yeah. works into scheduling. And then if anything comes up and you have to move things, it can get a little crazy. But um, it's like it's, it's a good problem to have. So I don't want to complain about it. Did it kind of make you famous? Uh, Boosted your, your celebrity already? I don't think so. No. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I bet if you, you walk through the expo at the Boston Marathon, we'll, you'll see how famous you are, right? Yeah. Everyone's going to be wanting to talk to you and take pictures with you. I'm sure you've already experienced that lots of times. <laughs> There's sometimes in hotels at like meets um, or like at like Houston half mm-hmm. or something. But uh, for the most part, it's it's not probably what you'd think. Like running's not quite the same as a professional basketball player, football player, yes. I think. So um, it's really, and I and I, I like it. I don't like, I don't know. I don't love being the center of attention anyway. So I, I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do, like, I don't want to like scare people off. Like if I am in a hotel, like someone can easily say hi. Not afraid of that. Yes. Yeah. You're very approachable for sure. Once they get past your bodyguards, <laughs> they can say yeah. hi. <laughs> well, there, right. That's a good point. There is like running expo famous. And then there's like, you're in Trader Joe's and you're recognized by everyone famous. So there's like, there's levels of it too, you know, depending on what context you're in probably. Yeah, so. definitely. <laughs> It's like you can do your grocery shopping without being accosted, probably. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So I think that sounds uh, that sounds pretty terrible. So 
Let's finish up with one last question. What races or goals do you have on the calendar for the rest of 2023? Anything going on? Yeah, I've got a spring marathon and I th- I can announce it next week. And I, I feel bad every All time right. I'm on a podcast or doing an interview. I'm like, I can't say it yet, but I actually I can't <laughs> say it. I got a reminder last week, like don't publicly announce it yet. So, uh, so I can't say, but I'll do a spring marathon. And then how I recover from that will kind of decide the rest of the year. So you're in it to win it at the spring marathon. Going big, huh? Or not? <laughs> I uh, I don't actually know what my goal is going to be yet for it because it's a really good field and the opportunity to run well like would be amazing because you could just get pulled along. But because the field's so good, I feel like I need to have a really good buildup and get really fit. And that's what I'm going to try to do. But I kind of like the approach we had going into Chicago Marathon where I was coming off COVID and struggling. So I didn't actually go into Chicago Marathon build being like, I need to set the American record. I was more just like, I want to see how fit I can get in two and a half months because I feel like I just turned a corner after struggling for three months and whatever I can do in two and a half months is just all I can do. And so that's kind of my approach going into this marathon too. I just want to see what I can do. And then when the race gets closer, my body will decide whatever the goal is. Yes, I think that's a really long winded answer, but yeah. (laughs) No, I like it. It's a very realistic answer because like you said, there's so many factors that go into yeah. it. And that's especially with a marathon. It's really yes. important to realize that you can only control so much. <laughs> exactly. And like you can't just uh, will yourself to go run 217 marathon or something. Like you have to have a lot of things go well. You have to um, avoid some like setbacks. And that's just part of our sport. You're going to have setbacks now and then. And like you hope for the best and it's good to be optimistic and um, set yourself up to give yourself the best chance possible. But it's also important to be realistic. Like I can only do what I can do. And um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, my body will just do what it can. <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh, I got one more question. Sorry. Um, so do you have any advice to middle of the pack runners or, or new runners? I think for most people, myself included, I find it easier to train and go after my goals when I'm um, surrounded by people that like lift me up and are really positive. And um, likewise, I'm like can be that person as well for. Uh, So I think I give the advice to find even just one other training partner. For me, like sometimes quality is better than quantity. If I just have one person to train with or do workouts with, or like a couple people I can text to meet up for easy runs, I think that can help with the marathon grind. Just having a couple people to hold you accountable on like early morning workouts and just make it more fun and enjoyable and help you as often as we hear it, enjoy the process more. So, um, yeah, I think like reaching out to people in your community to meet up for runs. Uh, yeah, it just makes it more enjoyable and can make going after goals feel a little less hard, I think. That's excellent advice for sure. <laughs> well, it's been an honor to speak with you, Emily. We're Yeah, thank you so much for taking time. Yeah, we, we're us. big admirers. And if people want to find you online on social media, where can we send them? Uh, I mostly use my Instagram, which is M underscore assistant underscore. It's been dabbling with TikTok. I can't tell you what my name is. So I actually don't even know. Uh, and then my Twitter handle, I think, is M underscore Sisson. We've been dabbling in TikTok, but not a whole lot. So. I haven't dabbled at all. I'm yeah. like, I've been trying to get her to do a dance video, but she's she's not going for it. 
Yeah, it, it just seems like more effort. I like watching the videos, but like having to make one myself, yeah. I'm just like, oh, that's like a little bit more work. <laughs> so, I don't know. My sis, my I have three younger sisters, and they're giving me tips. Aww. And um, yeah, I haven't actually used any of them yet, but they're, they're all telling me they're like, you need to do videos, and I'm like, well, if you can have someone record the videos, maybe even do the dance, <laughs> do just do right. <laughs> <laughs> let me know yeah but apparently tiktok's the way to go according to them <laughs> but yeah thanks for having me on all right huge thanks to emily for joining us on the podcast hope you enjoyed that conversation all the links that we mentioned in this episode of course will be right there in the show notes you should be able to find it boom right there on your phone Don't forget, you can try those six edge gels for free. Just pay for the shipping at youcan.co forward slash MTA. That brings us to the end of this episode. Most of all, thank you to all of our amazing listeners. We love you guys, and we're really excited for what is in store for you in 2023. If we can help you in any way, whether through coaching or just answering your questions, reach out. It's easy to get a hold of us over at marathontrainingacademy.com. Until next time, keep taking action. You have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right